0: Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10:30 a.m. in English and 11:45 in Spanish. Also, celebrate recovery meets each Monday night at 6:30.
1: Uh, I want to um, introduce Jared. He didn't know I was going to do this, but I think it was four years ago. It might have been five. Uh, we were needing somebody in facilities, and Pastor Carey told me, he said, you need to talk to Jared. Um, he's feeling a call to ministry, and this would be a good place to kind of get him um, kind of in here. And um, I remember we sat in Panera Bread and had a conversation. I really didn't know Jared, but I, I got, got to know his heart that day. And um, you probably saw Jared working around here, doing a lot of things for three to four years. And um, God just has done an amazing thing in his life. Amen. And um, it's been great to be able to work along with him. And he didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm going to pray for him before he preaches today. He can tell you more about himself. But Heavenly Father, I thank you for this man. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his dedication to you. Lord, I pray today that as he delivers the word to us, that you would anoint him with the Holy Spirit and that you would give him the exact words to say. I pray for the people who are here today that their hearts would be open and ready to receive your word, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Well, that was (laughs) an unexpected blessing today. It is good to worship with you this morning. Uh, As Pastor Joe said, my name is Jared. Uh, My wife Ashley and Eliza are with me this morning, and we bring greetings from the East Rock campus. So did you know today that we go to church together? You haven't seen us since the beginning of January, somewhere in that neighborhood, but we have been on the mission front in Elkton, Virginia. So right now at 414 East Side Highway, it's a renovated bingo hall owned by the Elkton Fire Department, your church, we are meeting together because we are one church in multiple locations. And uh, that's just a testimony to God's faithfulness through the pandemic. Uh, I don't know who plans to launch churches in pandemics other than God, so we just went with it. Uh, But it's been a great journey to see God move, to see his faithfulness. Uh, Good things are happening. We got to partner just last weekend with the town of Elkton for their kids' fishing day. Now, if you know me at all, fishing is my thing. So to get to do ministry while fishing was just like the ultimate high water mark. So that was so cool. But we got to love on the kids from the community and partner with the folks from the community center. And it was a true blessing. So uh, we bring... Blessings and greetings uh, from the East Rock campus this morning, and it's a true privilege to worship with you this morning. Uh, part of our vision for being one church in multiple locations, uh, one of our uh, visions of being one church in multiple locations is that we are studying the same Uh, text. We're going through the same series. So we have been journeying right along with you in the Psalms for Now series. And so today we're going to come to the conclusion of our series together and we're going to look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Now we know this psalm is written by David and we believe that it was written a little bit later in his life and he is kind of looking back. He's taken a rear view of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness across his life. And he's exhortating us into how God has led and been so faithful. And so as my friend and dear sister, Miss Pearl Parks, comes, uh, we're going to read the word together. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. And uh, we will hear the word of the Lord. Thank you, Miss Pearl.
0: Good morning. I'm reading Psalm 23, the divine shepherd, a psalm of David. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long.
2: Amen. Thank you, Miss Pearl. Can we pray after the reading of the word of the Lord? Dear Father, we uh, thank you this morning for the opportunity we have Uh, to dive into your word, to sing praise of your goodness, of your great glory. So, Father, as we unpack the text, Lord, may we open our heart today to your leading, to receive your guidance as our good shepherd. Lord Jesus, we love you today, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So if Psalm 23 were asking us a question, if we were to try to respond to the text, the question we might have to answer today is, who is my shepherd? Who is my shepherd? Now, I'm assuming that the vast majority of you are not sheep farmers or actual shepherds, as nor am I. So I had to do a little digging to understand what David was really saying in this. What is the significance of the question, Who is my shepherd? So we know that shepherds were in charge of caring for the sheep, and uh, sheep are. Very, sometimes cute animals when they're small, but as you look at them from a distance and you get closer, you'll realize they kind of are a little dirty. They maybe smell a little bit. They make some funny noises, and that really could describe me on any given day from a distance. So I relate to that. But what you see here is David, the king of Israel, the united king of Israel, the mightiest man in the land is comparing himself to a sheep. Now, a better comparison in our mind might have been a roaring lion or a strong bear or some, you know, macho, you know, uh, assimilation analogy there. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I am a sheep. And so we we are seeking to unpack in this text, who is my shepherd? And so verse 1 is really answering that question for us. David starts this psalm. With the declaration, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Or your translation might say, I shall not want. And what we see here is David saying, resolutely, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not guiding myself, I'm not doing my own thing. No, the Lord is my shepherd. It was personal for David. It was not an abstract thing. His relationship, his receiving the guidance of the good shepherd was personal. It was intimate. It was satisfying to him. Because we see him declare, I lack nothing. That is a profound truth today to realize that we can be in such a relationship with the Lord that it meets every desire of our heart. And truly, that's the essence of what God is calling us to, is to find our full fulfillment in him, in his care. It was personal. And it's from this framework of relationship that we're going to navigate the rest of the way through the text today. The danger today, and Francis Chan quoted it well, he said, he cautioned in that we don't exegete the beauty out of this passage. What he's saying there, don't deep dive into the analogy so far that we lose its beauty. And that's a real challenge for me because I, I love to look at the nuance and the details in the text and your original language and all of that, but we can miss the beauty in the text of who is my shepherd. So as we jump in today and we begin at verse 2 and 3, we see an idea that the Lord, the shepherd, the good shepherd, is providing provision for our flourishing. Provision for our flourishing. It begins, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Part of the shepherd's leading care is to ensure that the sheep find rest and nourishment. Philip Keller writes in his book titled, A Shepherd, looks at Psalm 23. He says, sheep do not lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, if they're hangry, they will not lie down. Rest comes, catch this, friends. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. How true is that for us today? Right then and there, I realize why David said, I'm just a sheep. I'm a sheep because our hearts are so easily tormented by so many things, by fear, by friction, anxiety. So many of those things torment us, forbidding us to rest, to find pause. Did you sleep good last night? Was something on your mind keeping you awake, preventing you from finding that rest that we need? I mean, if you take one trip to the convenience store, truly, I mean, it used to be that sodas were the large selection. Now it's energy drinks, Red Bulls and coffee and the like. We're a restless people. I mean, I had my coffee this morning. It's why I'm upright today. But we're a restless people. But this idea is that the shepherd, we need help. We need to be made to lie down and find rest. He goes on in the shepherding analogy, he says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep need water, as we all do, but they will not take it from a turbulent source. So the sheep must be led, not driven from behind, but led to or called to a place of calm, still water. So it's within this imagery that of quiet waters. We're not talking about the raging rapids, but we need a still pool. You get the idea of peace, of comfort, of security. He leads me beside quiet waters. David goes on and he says, he refreshes, or maybe your translation will say, he restores my soul. David here invites us to see, I, I didn't know this about sheep, but he invites us to see here the idea of a cast sheep. Now a cast sheep is one that is toppled over and unable to get up on its own. So a sheep's center of gravity is apparently a little higher than what its little legs can deal with. And out of the blue, it can come onto its back and be belly up and unable to rewrite itself. It's called a cast sheep. Now I know that reckons a lot with our Nazarene naps on Sunday afternoons, but we can restore ourselves. But the idea here is David is saying he needs the shepherd to restore, to set him back upright Onto his feet. And what's interesting about this idea of cast sheep is that it was not necessarily the ones who were in bad health were struggling. Perfectly healthy, normal sheep, sheep that were about to bear lambs were more apt to topple over, to be upside down. So David sees within himself here this need for the Lord to set him upright again, to restore his soul. He sees that it's an outward action. He needs help from outside of himself. He can't pull himself, restore himself by pulling on his bootstraps. He needs the shepherd's care. If we are honest today, friends, have you ever felt like you were just on your back spiritually, out of the blue? It was going pretty good. The still waters were good. The green pastures were solid. But yet we still find ourselves on our backs, unable to rewrite what's wrong within us. David invites us here to come under, to come within, to seek the restoration that only the good shepherd can provide. He goes on, he says, he guides me, he the shepherd guides me along the right paths for his name's Sake The glory of the shepherd is in the care of his sheep and the condition of his sheep. The shepherd would carry a staff that was used to poke and prod, to guide them along, and yes, sometimes discipline the sheep that were inept to run off and to be astray. But David again sees and, and submits, the king of Israel submits, that he needs the leading, the guiding, the probing, the discipline even of the shepherd. It was not by David's own human wisdom, not by his own might, not that he was a mighty, uh, brave warrior that he made it to where he was as king of Israel. He realizes that looking back on his life, that it was the leading, the guiding, the discipline of the Lord that had truly progressed him along right paths. And he humbly submits here today that it was not for David's namesake, but for the Lord's. So as we transition here in our text out of verse 3, we're going to see another idea in that the shepherd provides protection in our peril. Protection in our peril. David makes a transition here. We have kind of stepped out of the green pastures and the calm waters. You see a transition As we have been looking at the Lord's gracious care, when things were kind of calm, when things were arguably okay, we see that David is reflecting back on his life and seeing the shepherd's care and protection and provision through the perilous times as well. Verse 4 says, "Even Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or your translation might say, or the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What a transition here out of the green pastures, right? The dark valley, the shadow of death. And you'll notice in, in this transition also that David goes from talking about the Lord. He leads me, He guides me. He protects me to talking to the Lord. He says, "You are with me." He shifted there from talking about to talking to the Lord. David has a certainty here that there is coming another trial on the horizon. If not in the matters of life, it is certainly coming in the manner of his passing from this world to the next. He is certain that there is coming a struggle, a difficult journey, even death. But yet a great, greater certainty remains for him, and that in the care and the presence of the good shepherd. David has nothing to fear in the presence of Of the shepherd. His confidence is not, again, based on his own merit, his own ability. He's not patting himself on the back. No, he's saying, Because, Lord, you are with me, I shall not fear. It's in the presence, the character, the nature of the shepherd that David finds his confidence for whatever lies ahead. What he's really saying here is that, Lord, it's your leading, it's your guiding. When he, when he looks and says it's your rod and your staff that they comfort me, what he's saying there is that, Lord, it's your leading, it's your probing, it's your prodding, it's even, yes, Lord, your discipline that comforts me in this time and as I look ahead to the dark valley because you are with me. Friends, today, what, the, what a truth that in the Lord's care, under his leading, we can be Fearless. We can be fearless, not because of our own merit, but because of whose we are in that, in Christ Jesus. Our confidence today, our protection through the perils of life will come through our relationship with the shepherd. David continues in verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil to my cup over flows. We see another shift in the text here from the shepherding analogy to that of a banquet. Contained here is the undertone of victory. No matter what's ahead, Lord, I see the victory. Some of the imagery here that would have been brought up in this original context in that culture would have been the victory banquet that was had for the conquering leaders and men of war. As they returned home, they would have had a banquet prepared and it would have been before their enemies. And so we see that undertone of victory, that confidence. But ultimately what we see here is that David has confidence in the shepherd to provide, to bring nourishment, to bring care, to meet every need in the presence of the enemies. Now that's significant there because we would really normally prefer that the Lord provide for us out of the presence of our enemies, right? Lord, deliver me. Get me out of here. Can we go have provision over there and leave this behind? But no, what David sees is the promise and the care of the shepherd that right in the middle of the trial, right in the middle of the struggle, right in the middle of that dark valley, God's provision is abundant and it's promised on his behalf. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. For David, this idea of the Lord's protection brings a great joy and a calls for celebration. You may recall from a few weeks back, we talked about the symbolism, the, how that culture looked at the idea of anointing. It was a time for celebration of good things. And so we see that the Lord's provision Will be joyous when there seems to be no reason to have joy. For David, the protection of the Lord in perilous times is a source of celebration. It's a source, it's a reason to have joy. The blessing of the Lord overflows amidst the perils of life. As we come to the end of our text today, we see David with a distinct confidence for the future. Confidence. the future. Surely, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, David's confidence is placed here in the care of the Lord, not in his own abilities, not because he's worked hard to make himself king, but it's because of the care of the shepherd. His confidence is coming from a life lived under the shepherd's care. Having seen the faithfulness of the Lord in the times of flourishing in the green pasture and the still water, through the times of peril, David has confident expectation for the days ahead. The Apostle Paul proclaimed and exclaimed this same confidence in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39. Reading from the NIV, he says, For I am convinced... That neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is claiming the care of the shepherd. That is certainty for whatever lies ahead. In the shepherd's hands, friends, we can leave our cares for the future. As we come to the end of our text and just unpacking it a little bit, there seems there might be an important question for us today Who is your shepherd? Not abstract not your neighbor's shepherd. Who is your shepherd? Who is my shepherd? Who am I looking to for care? Who am I looking to for guidance? What am I placing my confidence in for the future? Who is your shepherd today? You might be thinking today, I'm not going through a dark valley. I I don't know that I'm terminally ill or I don't know that there's anything going on. Was this Sunday really for me? Is this passage, is this promise, is this question really for me? Psalm 23 is arguably one of the most popular and well-known scriptures to anyone. You have John 3.16 and then shortly thereafter is Psalm 23. How many of you today when you hear that we're jumping into Psalm 23 think funeral text? I know I did. And I don't want to diminish the value and the nurturing that this text offers in those dark valleys. But I believe the call of the text today is to see the shepherd's care in more. To see the shepherd's care for our flourishing. To see the shepherd's call and care through the perilous times. To see the shepherd's care to give us confidence for the future. I believe the invitation is for more because we will often come to this text and we jump in, right, as, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You get a little King James come out of you there, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We often enter this promise at that point in a time of deep peril, a time of deep need. But I believe that the invitation today is that we're seeking the Lord's guidance then because it's gotten too much for us to handle. It's too dark. We don't have the confidence we need. So we jump in and we seek the Lord's protection, His leading, His care. I think the invitation is that we would bring all of our life under His care. That we don't just engage His leading, His guiding in the dark days, but in the good days. As you reflect on your life today, where do you turn for rest? Where do you turn for rest? When you're afraid or when anxiety's troubling you or when there's a gas shortage or whatever the plate may be that week, where do you turn for rest? What do you look to to settle that angst within your heart? Friends, we all need rest. God prescribed Sabbath in creation, we were made for rest. We were made to stop, to rest, to worship. But our culture says more. Don't stop. Don't rest. Go, 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 go. Where do you turn for rest? It's no coincidence that David says, he makes me lie down. He makes me. Some of you are like, no, 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 we're not having the Lord make me do anything. I get it. I've been there. But he says, he makes me lie down. What refreshes your soul today? What refreshes your soul? When you have that walking along, everything's kind of going all right, but yet you suddenly find yourself upside down, what do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Out from... Under the shepherd's care, we might turn to our spouse or to our family and we put a burden on them for our soul care that they cannot and we're not designed to fulfill. Where do you turn for the refreshing, the restoring of your soul? And it happens in the most normal times, right? Eliza has taught me a few things in these days that we have been journeying through the walking stage and the cutting teeth stage, and you parents in the room know what I'm talking about. She can be just walking along, and it's all going great, and the next thing you know, she's on her back, belly up, screaming because she needs to be restored. I see myself in that little girl because we can be journeying along and think we're doing okay, but yet suddenly we find ourselves upside down. Where do you turn for the restoration, the restoring of your soul in those times? Who's guiding you? What nudging or leading or probing are you responding to in these days? Who's guiding you? If I'm honest, sometimes I feel like I'm guided by my emotions. And that's dangerous, right? Because our emotions will turn on us in an instant. In an instant. Social media will sometimes be a great platform that we can connect with friends and people who share common interests, but we hit that one post, that one news feed that spins us out of orbit. And if we're being led by our emotions, we are just constantly stepping into that one spin after the next. Who's guiding you today? Another challenging question of this text is what's following you? What's following you? Because David, under the care of the shepherd, says, goodness and love are following me. Doesn't that sound like a better trail behind you than shame or fear or regret or doubt? What's following you today? I get it. It can be hard to have a positive outlook. I'm a pessimist. Sorry. I appreciate you who are optimists. You help me. You really do. But I'm a pessimist by nature. So I really need someone. I need something to guide me to optimism, to have a confidence for the future. So that when I look back, it's not regret and shame that's running me down. Who is your shepherd today? Even in our best days, on the prettiest green pastures, by the calmest waters, we are all being guided, led, and cared for by something or someone. Who is your shepherd today? As we reflect on these things, we are faced with the reality that there are a lot of of voices out there calling for our attention, trying to lead us, trying to guide us, trying to get us to doubt the Lord's care. You ever hear those doubting voices in your head? I can't be the only one. Part of our story and part of going east for our family was that we we lived on the west side of the county, and it was, depending on 33's traffic, it was anywhere from 40 to 50 minutes to get to the campus, which is doable, uh, but we just desired and wanted to be part of the community to get closer. And so we sold our home, which if you know anything about the real estate market right now, that happened instantly, but yet we were unable to replace it. And so we're going, okay, Lord, you know, you've shown us the way. You've opened all these doors for us to sell this house. And Lord, you've given us time. You've got to show us the next step. And time came through and not a moment too soon and not a moment too late. God provided us with our next step. Uh, down a little bit farther east to where we could be 10 minutes from the campus, but we're still looking for a home. And as I think about the other voices that try to lead us, that try to guide us, you know what I hear when I think about the prospects of trying to find a home in today's market? You're a fool. You can't afford a house in this market. God has brought you here, and he's going to leave you here. You're a fool. How are you going to do it? You know what? You're going to be a failure. That campus you're pastoring, that campus you're with, if they find out, they're going to out you. You're going to be a failure before your peers, a failure before your district. You can't do it. Friends, there are voices out there. And it's the voice of the enemy of your soul that's trying to isolate you. That's trying to pull you out of the flock. The enemy of your soul today, friends, is likened in scripture to a roaring lion that is prowling around to devour you. The enemy's goal today is to isolate us. The shepherd's desire is to embrace us. The enemy condemns us. The voice of the Lord calls us home. All these voices, all these leadings, they're guiding us in subtle ways. David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemy comes right up and takes a chair at the table, doesn't he? I encourage you to go watch Louis Giglio's sermon on Psalm 23. He plays this analogy out where the enemy comes up to your table. And right in the midst of that trial, the dark place, the struggle, where we're sitting and we're feasting on the providence of God, the enemy comes in and says, God doesn't love you. You can't trust his provision. Friends, I think the invitation, I think the true wisdom in Psalm 23 is we can run there when we're in the dark valley. And please, friends, run to the Lord if you're there today. But I think the deep passing invitation of this text is that we bring the everyday, ordinary moments of our lives under his care. We bring it into our relationship with Christ to know him, to love him, to know his voice Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hands. I and the father are one. As Miss Aubrey comes to play today, what voice are you listening to today? There's some pretty easy metrics that we can put up to find out who it is. Because if the voice in your head is getting you to divide, to pull away from people, to doubt the Lord, it's not the right voice. The voice of the Good Shepherd is calling us home. He's guiding us in the everyday, ordinary moments of life. And it's from that position of intimacy with Christ that when we come to the dark valley that we can say, Lord, you are with me. Because if we have forfeited that relationship, when we hit that dark valley, we're forced to say, Lord, where are you? He never left us, but we went out of his care. Friends, there's... There's no condemnation in this message. It's only invitation. Whose voice are you hearing today? Who is your shepherd? As we worship today, there's an invitation to hear the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. I've prayed before. Lord, I just want to be a dumb sheep. I just want to go where you send me. I want to eat where you place me. I want to drink where you take me. Lord, make me a dumb old sheep. You don't have to pray that today. That was for me. But the invitation stands the same. Will you bring your everyday, ordinary, going to work, going to the grocery store, going to school life under the care and the guidance of the Good Shepherd who loves you? who loves you would you pray with me today lord we thank you father that we do not have to journey alone that god you you don't try to isolate us you don't condemn us lord you invite us into your fold into your care father and it's from that place of relationship that we can have confidence for tomorrow no matter what dark valley lay ahead, we turn and we know that your care and your voice are right there. We can be fearless. Oh God, may we be fearless people because you are with us. Father, we, uh, we need you. We need you today. May we be found in your care. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.